0: Jewish audio on Tavon.org. Rambam, Hilchais Masai Hakarbonos, The Laws of the Procedures of Sacrifices, at Shisha also Chapter 16. Continuing along, he says here, What if somebody makes a vow to bring a sacrifice, and when he made the vow, he had in mind, or he verbalized, to bring a large animal, a really large animal, like a hippopotamus? No, I'm just kidding. A full size animal, but he be caught on, and then instead he brings a small animal. For example, he has in mind to bring a, an ox, and he ends up bringing a calf. Layot, so he does not fulfill his obligation, because a calf is not an ox cotton, but if he had in mind to bring a small animal, the heavy goggle, and instead, he decided to spend big. And he brought a big animal, so he also fulfills his obligation, because big is better than small. Kate started now he spells out the scenarios. Oh, my, if he said, hare, Allah, I make a vow and take it upon myself, to bring an ola, a burnt offering, a shlomim, or a peace offering, Kebes, if when he made the vow, he had in mind to bring a lamb, the heavy eye, and then he brought a ram, which is a big lamb, I should know eagle, or he made a vow to bring a calf, the heavy Sher, and instead brought an ox, Gedi, he had in mind to bring a small goat, a baby goat, a kid. havi sawyer, and he brought a mature goat, uh, what they call in Yiddish a Yotza, he, he fulfills his obligation because large is better than small when it comes to sacrifices. Beis, too, nodar elo. If he pledges to bring a burnt offering, minach from lambs, or from rams. We learned earlier, a lamb is okay, and a ram is okay. A lamb is one year and under, a ram is one year, 30 days and over. Behevi palgos, and he brought He brought. A animal, a lamb-ram, that's more than one year, but less than one year, 30 days. So it's right in the middle. Neither fish nor fowl, neither lamb nor ram. A day we're unsure. In he did if he fulfills his vow. A lay or if he did not fulfill his vow. Why? Because he's bringing neither of the prescribed animals. One is too big and the other is too small. similarly speaking, if somebody makes a vow to bring a burnt offering, we learned earlier that a burnt offering could either be from baby doves or grown pigeons, but it can't be in the middle from pigeons or young doves and he brought the beginning of the maturation or transformation process Not neither here nor there and we learned earlier specifically what the requirements are to be considered a turtle dove and what the requirements are to be considered a dove so we're uncertain whether he fulfills his obligation of this vow or not similarly speaking if he made a vow to bring a black dove and brought a white dove Love one made a vow to bring a white dove. Baby brought a black dove. Zohar, if he made a vow to bring a male, we learned earlier that although with the animals the sex of the animal is very very important, animals have to either be male or female depending upon the particular sacrifice. Birds, there is no distinction between male and female in the requirements of sacrifice. Zohar, if he pledged a male, baby nikev, and he brought a female. cave if he pledged a female, baby brought a male. Still, Le yotsoi does not fulfill his obligation because black, white, male, female, they are different, and therefore one has to follow the verbiage of his vow. Now, Gimli says, what if somebody just makes a vow and does not specify large or small or any other specification? Maybe should be mentioned, he brings the biggest, the largest, the best of the species from which he vowed. So, automatically, he should lean towards the largest. If that place, when you give a generality of a term, you mean a particular size, and that's the understanding in that particular place, then maybe he brings what the average understanding of the residents of that place is. For example, he pledged to bring a burnt offering from cattle. He should bring an ox. Because an ox, that's an animal. If he says, I take upon myself to bring a burnt offering, if the people of that community refer to Ola, even a bird, a burnt offering could be anything in that community. Maybe, then he can fulfill his obligation by bringing one large or even small pigeon, because that's what the people of that area refer to as a burnt offering. Refer to the definition of a burnt offering. In Darkumb, but if their style of that community, their verbiage, they don't refer to just an Ola, unless it's an ox, so that the style, the habit, of language of the people will define his obligation. So in this situation and any other similar situation, this law would apply. Somebody who vowed a particular species animal, for example, he said, ox, I vow to bring an ox, or ram, or lamb, or calf. Now his question is, there's an ox, and there's an ox. There's an ox, which is an ox. And then there's, as uh, Jackie Mason used to say, an ox that barely moves. It's not blemish, but, you know, it's shvach. It's the kind of ox that shops in health food stores. He, cannot, he may not bring a frail Ox or ram or lamb or calf. She may say mean, of that species. But Nation of simply speaking, because their value is much lesser than a healthy one. On the other hand, he's not obligated to go around and find the fattest and the healthiest. He doesn't have to necessarily buy a just in Gelson's. He can go a Ralph's too. She Sha'in Milan doesn't have to buy something that is nothing better than it. he can bring the average. He can bring something that is average. What if he brought a really frail one? He does fulfill his obligation, even though it's not the best thing to do, but technically, as long as there's no blemish, he has fulfilled his obligation, which goes back to the teaching we learned earlier, again and again, that when charity is given, we should give the best. I've shared so many times how growing up as a child, my father of blessed memory expressed his disdain for those who make a big deal of giving their old clothes to charity. That was a big deal when I was growing up in the decade of the 50s, when Eisenhower was president. The reason that was a big deal, and the reason my father was against it, is because that's all they gave to charity. So what do the children grow up seeing? That the old, discarded junk is what you give to charity. Even if the guy gives a check, the child doesn't know about it. Which is why the Rebbe instituted pushkis in the house. Children have to seek charity every day. Because if a child doesn't seek charity, how are they going to know you have to give charity? They're going to know you have to give old clothes. So if you want to give old clothes to charity, that's fine. But that should not be your charity. Your charity has to make, have to make a big deal of the big check you give to charity. Because that is the obligation. You have to give the best. You have to give clothing. We learned earlier, give new clothing. You have to give food. Give the best food to charity. That is the teaching over here. Not to bring the solution to a heart Nevertheless, if he had a plain vow, a plain wrap vow, he does fulfill his obligation. If you're old enough to remember plain wrap. Hey, what if somebody says, I take upon myself to bring a sacrifice, an ox worth a mona, a hundred dollars. Then he has to bring an ox that is worth a mona in that place, not counting the wine and the flour and the meal offerings and the frankincense that he brings. That should be separate on top of the hundred dollars in order to fulfill his vow. Hey, what if he brought two fifty dollar oxen, Say, so he fulfilled his hundred dollar pledge through two? Loyalty does not fulfill his obligation, because his pledge was one hundred dollar ox. And Again, I'm using dollar, but obviously the Rambam is not talking in terms of dollars. But if he says, "This ox should be a burnt offering," enough of a big woman. now. This ox that became a burnt offering developed a blemish, which makes it unfit for offering. We learned earlier in great detail the laws of blemishes. In if he wants to dumb of shnayim, he can bring two oxen in its place. Why? Because now that he's just exchanging, the law becomes more liberal. A fill he be dumb if he brought instead of an ox, one ram, Yotti fulfills his obligation. Because now he's just replacing the blemished animal. Alma, he says, Snaishwarm Aloila, these two oxen are pledged as a burnt offering. But not for by him, they a blemish. that if he wishes, Now that he has to exchange the blemished animal, Yah be bid and he can take instead of two, he can bring one. Ayo. Ze'al if he says this ram shall be a burnt offering. But not for a woman develops a blemish. If he wishes to, Y'all be dumb of He can even bring a lamp, which is a smaller Ran the chain. If he vows to bring a lamb and it became unfit, if he wants, he'll be doing a vow. So once it becomes lambish or unfit, the law becomes a lot more pliable, a lot more liberal. Zayin Omar. If he says, "Have I a law?" This, I take upon myself to bring a burnt offering. The He took a particular ox. He took Irving the ox, set it aside. He says, "This is going to be my burnt offering." Then, and then, Moshe the thief came and stole Irving the ox. So the ox is gone. If he wants, we can even now bring a, a sheep. A sheep is much cheaper than an ox. But he already had his ox and it was stolen. He just has to bring something. What if he says this ox and its value? is a burnt offering from me. Who bought then The ox? Or the value I've been designated. If it becomes unfit for some reason, he designated ox, value. He has to bring an ox of that value. If he says One of my sheep is sanctified, consecrated to the fund of the base of the igdash. And one of my oxen is, is consecrated. Rather. He had two. Which one? He says, one of my oxen. He has two oxen. He has two sheep. The answer is, the larger one, the better one. Of course, when it comes to charity, we have to give the better one. What if there were three? He had three sheep or three oxen. Now we're getting complicated. This is a problem. Houston, we got a problem. For sure, the largest one is consecrated. For sure. However, maybe when a person has three and he pledges, he means even the middle one. Because that's common. We also suspect that he may have meant the middle one. So we got a problem. What you need do? there's no choice yes. wait until the middle one Actually, until it becomes blemish sooner or later an animal as it ages becomes blemish now the middle one is out of the running so the sanctity will only come upon the larger one If he said one of my oxen are sacred then the larger one is and with this language we're not concerned because before he said one of and here he says an ox so here this language leans more towards the biggest because saying an ox we assume he meant the choicest ones and this is a big debate between the commentaries here and so on. Okay, Taz, Pehar, Echad Men, what if he separated one, and then he forgot about he forgot about the fact that he did it, or he doesn't remember which one. Or his father built a Mechel Men one of them is consecrated, and he doesn't know which one. So now he's not sure which one is consecrated. but either he or his father consecrated it? He has to sanctify the largest, the best. He fulfills his obligation because there's nothing better than the best. So also if somebody bows and burnt offering of cattle, and he said his pledge, and he forgot, whether he he specified an ox or calf. And he said, an ox is better than a camel. And he forgot what he designated, a ram, a larger sheep, which is a ram, is better than a street. if he set aside, he designated a sacrifice amongst goats. And he forgot whether it was a large goat or a kid. Yobisoyer, he brings the large goat. And he forgot which species he designated. Yobisoyer, in that case, he better bring an ox and the ram and the goat to make sure he covers all the species. In And if he's not sure, maybe it was a bird. And then he has to bring a large bird and a small bird. So because he's not sure, he has to bring five. The ox, the, the ram, the goat, the large pigeon, and the small pigeon. And again, here we see how important the idea of pledges to charity are. They're not a joke. And, and uh, they have to be taken very, very seriously. Yud, Nodar a if he vows to bring a thanks offering because he wants to say thank you to Hashem for escaping some problem we learned earlier. That if he was Chola, Yisurim Yamid, he was sick, or he was in prison, or he crossed the sea or the desert, and he wants to say thank you. Or Shlomim wants to bring an everyday peace offering, the And he set, designated his vow. He defined this vow. And he forgot exactly what he pledged. Yavi then he should bring an ox and a cow. Irving and Elsie. If he's not sure in the sheep family, you have the Ayol then he should bring a ram and a ewe, male and female. If he's not sure amongst the goats, I lost my place. Sawyer, a goat, a male goat and a female goat. Ayo is male and female. Okay. No, I, I did this wrong. Okay, back up a little bit. B'sha'ach beis and mein kovanidre. Maybe paru paru. He brings paru paru. Ayo berachos or beresheira. He brings one of each. If he takes upon himself to bring the burnt offering of a bird. Maybe teiru ben yonah. Not sure, large or small. He brings both. Peirach. If he specifies b'sha'ach and forgot beis and mein kovanidre, which one? Maybe teiru He brings the larger and the smaller. You dalaf omer alei hariel If he says I take upon myself a commitment to bring an offering to the altar, there's lots of stuff you bring to the altar. You'll be kaimetz no. He can even bring a handful of frankincense. In fact, he, he has to bring a handful of frankincense. Why? Because of all the offerings, nothing is offered as is without removing anything. Even the burnt offering has certain insides removed. Nothing is offered as is in totality. Ela except frankincense. What if he specified as well? He forgot what he specified. You have called He has to bring up everything that can be offered. The whole thing to the Mizbeach. Because he brings the burnt offering of an animal, byosayp, and a bird. Or minchas and a libation of wine and flour. Minchas meal offering. of the frankincense, peyin, wine, all separately. I take upon myself to bring a cellar, Worth to the altar, you will be You can bring sheep. a That's the most inexpensive thing that you can bring to the misbech. should be specified. You should spend a cellar on every species. You gimel. If he says like I take upon myself frankincense. A gift of frankincense. you must bring at least a handful. I take upon myself a gift of wood. he has to bring at least two pieces. Earlier we gave the sizes of the pieces. Oh, he says here right now, as thick as a living rod and a cubit long. if he says I. I promised I make a vow to make to bring a piece of wood, maybe gozer or gezer echod or ke'am. They could bring one log a cubit long. In another log, he made it. If he wanted to donate money and let the temple treasurer buy wood in the wood store, that's fine too. Yabi you could bring. You daled, mission daler, somebody daled. It's not the proper pledge. Shem oil. We're talking about olive oil, which was a staple on the altar. K'saleishim, by what do they do. me He takes a handful of oil. The nation all of melach. Always placing salt. We learned that every offering has salt. So he places salt on the oil and he and he tosses it and he on the fire in the balance and is eaten by the koanim like the remaining leftover of the meal offering what does he do with the wine? If he's bringing wine independent of any other offering if he's bringing the wine together with an offering as a libation we said earlier exactly what he does but here the wine is itself a sacrifice then interestingly enough you may want to try this on Friday night he puts salt on the wine why? because when the wine is an offering on its own every offering needs salt and then he pours the entire wine al gabia shisim kechol anesachim down the pipes, which we learned about earlier, which were placed the two cavities in the southwest corner of the altar, representing or, or, or looking like nostrils, and everything would run through them, going to the river Kidron. The blood would run through them, and so on. That's where he places the wine. Kechol anesachim like all the other wine libations. Valabey gabab. For now, if frankincense comes as an independent offering, nesanelan dalach and it has always placing salt on all independent offerings. And all goes to the flames. Fifteen. Leishin o the nether. Something that pleases. Look, you going to be more expensive. This is an important call. <laughs> it's human nature. You want to pay charity with a ready charity. You want to pay a charity pledge with a previous pledge. A person should not discharge his vow from Master monies. from second tithe monies or food, because the second tithe is a separate obligation. Shari his high bekarbon. that because he became obligated with this offering. The offering must be brought from his everyday mundane money. chayi and anything anybody bechalam anybody becomes obligated to bring us an offering. Here's the rule: Layavi can only bring his offering from his everyday money. He can't bring his offering from his pre-pledged money, like Master Sheni. is holy money, which the Jew has to enjoy in Jerusalem. So the Jew figures, I'll bring a sacrifice in Jerusalem and I'll kill two birds with one stone. No, can do. Doesn't work if somebody says, I take upon myself to bring a thank you offering from my everyday money. And it's breads. We learned earlier that the toad offering comes along with 40 breads. That's a lot of breads. So he said the breads I'll bring from my second tithes money. No good. The breads have to be brought from his mundane money as well. Because if he made a vow to bring a thank you offering, thank you offerings have to be brought from his money. There's a, a, an interesting approach that some people have. Where when they are solicited to give money for charity, they say, okay, ordinarily I give money to this charity. I'll shift it from this charity and give it to this charity. But I have to check with the other charity if it's okay. So I often say to them, in that case, what do I need to speak to you for? I and go straight to the other charity. You're giving me their money. Or like Irving Warner says the Art of Fundraising, I think. He says, you should give money from the swimming pool that you're building. That's where the charity should be given from. You don't take it away from another charity. This gift of the thank you offering has to be brought from his money, not from second tithe money, which is already holy money. But the human nature is human nature. That will never change. So this is very interesting. Okay. Finally, the closing paragraph, seventeen. Paid What if he specified and he said, "Hare Olai Lahabi I take upon myself to bring a thanks offering, Mimoyis Mashevsheni." And the pledge to begin with, he says, "I have money that with this money I have to buy food and eat it in Jerusalem anyway. I'm going to bring a thanks offering from this money, Melachma and the breads will come from my money, everyday money, profane money." Yet le Lahabi Kadesh there, Here in this case, he should and he could and should bring it as he vowed. And here. Being that he's going to eat it in Jerusalem, he's allowed to bring the offering itself from second tithe money and the breads from mundane money coming from separate sources. If he brought everything from everyday money, even better. Yossi fulfills his obligation. Similarly speaking, he specified and said, I take upon myself to bring a thanks offering. both it and its breads from second tithe money. But he should not bring it from the grains of Masasheni, from the wheat kernels. He should rather use the money of exchange for Masasheni. The like the animal should be of the money. Even though he specified that he would bring his breads from Masasheni money, from second tithe money, the libations should not be brought from Masasheni because uh, libations never ever come only from private money from everyday profane money mundane money. because it says he who offers should bring his offering it has to belong to him My does not belong to him My already belongs to God. until it's one hundred percent his. the anhai, meaning Hashem should not have any ownership over it and in my there is some ownership by Hashem. End of chapter sixteen. the laws of procedures of sacrifices. Shiva also chapter seventeen. Aleph, paragraph 1. We're learning about the laws of meal offerings. One of the offerings one could bring to the Beisandigosh was an offering of flour, wheat flour. And this could be brought in, as we learned earlier, and as it says in the Chumash, five different styles. One of those styles is called ma'fe tanur, oven baked. Haneder mincha maafe tanur. If somebody pledges to bring a meal offering oven baked, that means that it has to be oven baked. Le'yobi ma'afei kupoch. He should not bring it or should not make it and offer it baked in another type of baking setup and here he brings the name kupach which is a range with an opening for one pot or or something baked in which he translates here as rafters one of the common ways to bake in the Talmudic period was to heat rafters and stones until they were glowing hot and place dough upon them afterwards the stones and the rafters were covered and the dough would bake so that's not called that's not called oven baked neither should he bake on Arab pits a pit covered with mud into which wood was placed and kindled the dough was placed within it was covered so that it would bake like an oven all of the above three kupach Reofim and so Ha'arvim are not acceptable to fulfill one's vow for oven baked. Why? Because the person vowed he would bring an offering baked in an oven, and the above devices are not considered ovens. too. to Ha'imer, if somebody makes a pledge, we know that one of the means of offering this meal offering was a machbas. A machvas is like a, a flat pan, a flat frying pan. And the other is a marcheshes, which is a deep fry, like in which we make French fries. So if somebody said, I take upon myself to bring the machmas style, which is the flat pan, instead he used the deep fry pan, or the, machvas, or the vow wasn't the deep fry pan, and he brought on the skillet on the flat pan, whatever he brought is good, it's a meal offering. However, he doesn't fulfill his obligation of this vow. The vow is a vow which was unfulfilled, because a machmas is not a machvas, and a machash is not a machmas. A moment, if he said I will bring this baked in a deep fry pan. We have instead, brought it in a flat pan. Or he said I will bring this baked in a flat pan. We have a and he brought it in a deep fry pan. Haray zuk unfit because it does not meet the requirement The same applies to any similar situation. So here we're talking about the act. Mirroring the pledge and discharging it. So also when somebody says, I take upon myself the volume of two Esreines, two Isarons, in one vessel. Let me just pause for a second and point out a couple things. Number one, we've talked about Esoron which is the standard fare for a meal offering. Esoron we talked earlier, is, I think, 43 and 1 eggs volume. 43 and 1 eggs. That's the volume of flour of an Esoron The second thing we talked earlier is that the vessel is important. There were vessels which were known as Kli Shares, ministering vessels of different sizes. One of these was an Esoron sized vessel. And that was a holy vessel. So now he says that if somebody says, I take upon myself two Esrenais, to bring them in one vessel, that would require a doubly Esaron vessel. But then he couldn't locate the vessel. They be on the he brought them in two separate vessels. The Shnekhalim, or if his vow was to bring two Esraim two vessels, that the now he found a bigger vessel. Mashehevi, what he brought, he brought. But he did not fulfill the obligation of his vow. Shanema, as it says, specifically, Kasher Nodarto Lashem, as you vow to God. That the vessel in the vow is also of critical importance. The vessel plays a very central role in the offering of any type of offering in the base of Mikdash. Kimal said, Eilu, these will be brought, these cakes will be brought in one vessel, and he brought them in two vessels, hey, or he said, these will be brought in two vessels, instead he brought it in one, this now is unfit, because he did not at all meet his pledge, Like what if he didn't designate something with certainty, at the time of vow, instead he said, vaguely, I take upon myself the volume of two isorens, and then when he set it apart, the moment he set it aside, he actually established it, and he separated it, into two separate vessels, so now he designated it into two vessels. Because there may idea that he changed his mind and he brought them. The kliach in one vessel. Now this is kosher. Why? It says that it has to meet the commitment of the time of vow, which this does. The kasher hifrascha doesn't say at the time of separation. The fact that he separated into two vessels at the time of separation is not the same as the time of commitment. However, he said, "I take it by myself the volume of two esrei." to bring in one vessel. They came and he brought them into. They said to him, "Wait a minute, Mr. no Nadarter, you vowed to bring it in one vessel." If he then brought it in two vessels, then they're it's unfit. But if he brought it in one vessel, now it is kosher, since he offered them as he vowed. Okay, Dalit. Omar, if he says, This represents two measures of the sorons, which I will bring in two vessels. And he brought it in one vessel. They said, you vowed in two. Or if he brought it in one vessel, then it becomes like two offerings, two meal offerings that were mixed together. And therefore, if he can take... Fistfuls individually, they're acceptable. If you can't, not. Hey, how if he says, minh, I take upon myself a meal offering. Achas a meal offering is a very general term. He has to bring one of the five types of meal offerings. A boy added a double, which come by vow and pledge. And we enumerated these five earlier. If he said, minnohas, I take upon myself to bring gifts of meal offerings plural. Now he has to bring two out of the five because he said plural. If he said I minnohas, I take upon a, species, a type of meal Yobishne minnohas. Yobishne minnohas minnohas. Here he has, he has plural, but one type. He has to bring two offerings of one type. Minnohas, I take upon myself various types of meal offerings. Minnohas, minnohas. he has to bring Two from two. Various types of meal He has to bring various types. What if he designated one particular species, one particular type of meal offering? And he just the problem is he forgot which type. He specified one of the five, and he forgot. Maybe in order to fulfill his vow, even though he forgot, he has to bring each one because that will cover him because he pledged and vowed to bring one of them. As mentioned earlier, an individual may never bring one meal offering with a greater volume than sixty isorin. That's a humongous amount if he pledged more than 60 we learned earlier he can pledge 1,000 Yisoren the maximum he can bring in one vessel is a combination of 60 Yisoren if it goes anything over 60 Yisoren you must use another vessel why is that? because the meal offering the flour has to be mixed with the oil there's a log of oil for every Yisoren because he can't really mix more than 60 Yisoren but more than that it doesn't mix even though wait a minute we learned and we will learn that the lack of mixing does not prevent this offering from being accepted as a good offer as we explained there's a beautiful rule that we learned here which is an interesting rule which applies in certain arenas in Torah whatever is fit to be mixed with oil then the fact that it's not mixed doesn't prevent it from being kosher it has to be able to be mixed it has to have the potential but if it's not able to be mixed if it's not possible to mix it such as this case where it's simply too much more than 60 if it can't be mixed then whether it's mixed or not then it's not kosher because you can't mix it. So the potential is what counts. Zayin, Omar, if somebody said I he makes a pledge for 125 yisaron. What did we just say? The maximum that should be brought is 60. So how do you deal with 121? Maybe nevazim Pretty simple. You bring 120 in two separate vessels, 60 and 60. Shishim or maybe yisaron but shishi. The have to Then you use a third vessel and bring the extra yisaron. Omar, if he said I take upon myself one yisaron. You have yisaron and should bring one. I lay nice. If he said plural, you have bishulai midem plural is two. Hey, das What if he verbalized? His vow be mishachach, and he forgot. Kama isar How many measures of isarin he specified? He knows he mentioned the number, but he can't remember for the life of him what the number was. He should bring sixty isarin in one vessel. kama isar mean What if he forgot not only how many isarin, he forgot the type of offering? He said maybe He has to bring sixty of each of the five. That's a lot of offering. That's three hundred isarins. For this, he should for sure go to Costco. What if he set up his vow in a firm way? And he forgot how many he, he, he bowed, how many vessels, so now he's stuck. maybe has to bring from one to sixty in sixty different vessels. So he has to bring one and two and three and four and so on. completion. He brings one in one vessel. Until it's sixty in the last one If he also forgot what kind of meal offering he pledged, then he has to do that times five. Maybe I'll say he has to bring sixty of each type. So of each one he brings one thousand eighteen hundred and thirty. Of each type. Somebody says that, I take upon myself a meal offering. We learned earlier that meal offerings come from what? From wheat. He says, I take upon myself a meal offering of barley. There is no meal offering of barley. We learned earlier, there are two meal offerings of barley. One is the communal omer, and one is the adulterous woman. But a free vow offering of barley doesn't exist. Or uh, he says minchas chazi sorry I take upon myself the meal offering of a half of b'saron. The standard fare of a meal offering is any saron. They forty-three and one fifth eggs. I minchas belechem. I minchas belechem. I If he takes upon himself to bring a meal offering without oil and without frankincense, so in all of these three cases: case number one, a meal offering of barley; case number two, a half of a measure of b'saron; case number three, omitting and leaving out the oil and the frankincense. These are all not fit, not normal fares. And he's In that case, he's exempt from everything because his words were meaningless. he's not because he didn't pledge something that's pledgeable. might said that I Maybe no might take upon myself a meal offering from barley. Or from adoshim uh, lentils, lentils, from lentils a mincha, which is like a bean commodity oil and frankincense or sa- half of say so then they ask him oh said have cause the reason I made these pledges is because I was under the impression that this is permissible fare the for example if I knew you can only bring a holy sardin oil and frankincense I would have never made the pledge cuz this is what I can afford and he said potter exempt he has to bring nothing so, had I known the requirements I would have made that proper pledge i a proper vow i high and he's obligated to bring in a normal way you would know no matter one and a half usually it's one isarin or two isarins Yomar, he said, "Elo, you see, today you that comes not in. I known, I would have given like the regular donors. And maybe says, 'Maybe Shlaimi too. two.' my night, like Kama, Kama, he I take upon myself flour.' Hey, had I like Chafsiy Sarnor, he says, 'I don't use the word mincha.' And he says, 'Porter is exempt because he knows the bread as if he never pledged.' He also, if somebody says I like Tayda, I take upon myself to bring a thank you offering.' but Without bread, thank you offerings are always brought with forty bread. The zebah, or an offering without bread, without libations. And he says, 'Porter is exempt because thank you offerings always come with bread, and offerings always come with libations.' Yomar, Yomar, if he said, "Elo, you see, today, and I only know." Shayin makriyim kachik. You don't do this. So you see, no, that I would vow. If people who vow, I is a chayav lachik. then he has to offer in the normal way. You dowl for levin. If he says, I take upon myself breads of Thanksgiving, the problem is there is no offering of breads of Thanksgiving without the animal of Thanksgiving. You all be paid and must bring the offering as well as the breads. Shadov you do because it's well known. Shayin makriyim lechav that breads without the offering is not a normal affair. of says makor ben he's So we say when he said breads of Thanksgiving, he was just verbalizing the end of the offering, but he meant the whole offering he said that I lay take I take upon myself to bring the breads to exempt so and so from the obligation of the breads for his thanks offering. That's fine, he wants to help the other guy out. The other guy's an animal, he wants to help him out. He be can bring the breads of thanksgiving, which are the forty breads in with the animal offering of his colleague. a person can pledge or vow wine separate. Usually wine is a libation of a, an offering. But we learned earlier it can be brought separately as well. not relation but Norm, it's not normal to pledge or vow one lug of wine or two lugim because we can only pledge or vow that which is the normal measure of the vow of the wine libation there is no wine libation of one lug or two because five are never brought either for one animal or two animals the normal numbers of lugim of wine three or four or six six and higher because it is fit to, it makes up a total of the libations of an animal just to quickly Refresh our memories to look up the Lug. A Lug is 11.63 ounces, and therefore, when we talk about the Revius, which is a quarter of the Lug, it's 2.91 ounces. So if you want to round it off, a, a Lug is 12 ounces, and a Revius is 3 ounces. Ketzad 13, to spell it out, No Dashibo, when he pledged seven Lugim, had to that matches. The wine libation of a sheep and a ram. No, there are when pledges a It's like two rams. Tisha is the wine libation kadesh of an ox and a sheep. A kadesh or nine is also three sheep. No, there are of ten. It's the sum total of an ox and a ram. Kadesh she'ne elam or two sheep, and a ram. Anything that totals the grand total of libations of a group of an individual or a group of sacrifices can maybe pledged independently. Just to remind you, an interesting law we learned earlier that if somebody brings wine as an independent offering, has to put salt on it because then it becomes a separate offering, and even the wine requires salt because everything offered on the altar requires salt. Okay you not about five, They say to add one more, five doesn't work. Shall I come on the made but did one or two, as we learned earlier, and all fit to be brought on any situation Neither we never vow pledge less than a the never is a less than any sorin. The heat, we learned earlier that the sorin, which again are the forty three and one fifth egg volume a flour, always requires the lug the twelve ounces of oil. So that's the minimum size of oil is the log. He didn't specify, but it's a minimum of three. Because the maximum day of communal offerings would be the first day of Sukkot. Why? Because the first day of Sukkot in the Sukkot you have a descending number of offerings. It works 7. nine, eight, seven. First day through the eighth day, or through the seventh day. So the first day is thirteen. If you add that and you add the daily offerings and you add the Shabbos offerings and so on, it's the maximum offerings, why and its libations represented made hundred and forty log shaman, and like similar to that. as will be explained. So therefore the minimum he should bring when he forgets how many is our is hundred and forty log to match that big, big day of communal offerings in the Holy Temple. End of chapter 17. Rambam, Hilchais, Masaya the laws of the procedures of sacrifices, paid chapter 18, Aleph one. Here we segue into a whole different spectrum of law of laws. And that is, the law says, kulam, all sacrifices, all kinds, behemoth, whether they are animal sacrifices, April they are coming from birds or fowl. We learned about the doves and the pigeons. Vinokis, so we're talking about flour or meal offering. Any of these categories, mitzvahs, I say, it is a positive commandment of the Torah, enumerated as a commandment. To offer them only in the holy temple, that place where God will choose, which refers in time only to the as it says. And there in that place which I shall choose, God says, you shall make, you shall offer, Every time I will command you, any kind of sacrifice, animal, bird, flower, all of the, flower meaning meal, wheat, all of these offerings may only be offered in the face of Mignor. Similarly speaking, mitzvah it is a positive commandment that each person, every each and every person should take the trouble or maybe and bring carbonized offerings of animals, which he was obligated to bring, even if he lives for now outside of Israel. The base from outside of Israel, he should also bring his offerings to the base Amigdash. Why? Because he's obligated. And as it says, the holy objects, are which you will have, and your vows, you should carry, you should take, the etc. From tradition, we learn that he talks about the holy objects and he became obligated while dwelling outside of Israel. But there is a base Amigdash in Israel. He has to actually make the effort. He has to slap to Israel and he has to bring them to the base Amigdash. A sacrifice must be brought in the Holy Temple. There's no other choice what if somebody doesn't listen and he brings an offering he offers a sacrifice outside of the courtyard of the base of anywhere outside the courtyard not only did he not have the opportunity to perform a positive mitzvah or in stricter language more stringent language not only did he nullify a positive commandment he also transgressed a negative commandment and as it says whenever the Torah uses the word which means be on guard watch out heed, lest you offer up your burnt offering anyway you'll see there's a prohibition for a person to just offer up his burnt offerings anywhere he wants to that's a prohibition of a negative commandment even if he goes ahead and does it anyway if it's intentional then he's culpable for the cutting off of the soul the verse says any person who will offer up a burnt offering or any sacrifice and not bring it to the gateway of the tabernacle will be cut off from his people he brings a set sin offering so we've established that not only must we offer the offerings in the base of Mikdash but we are prohibited from offering it anywhere outside the temple courtship and similarly speaking if somebody slaughters any holy objects any holy sacrifices chutzlaz are outside the courtyard and here we're going to break this up into two steps step one is the actual shchita the actual slaughtering we learned earlier that theoretically even an Israelite could be the one who slaughters the animal and then there is the offering up as a sacrifice that's stage two so, even <laughs> if somebody slaughters holy objects, chutz are outside the courtyard, even though he didn't bring it up as an offering, if he did it intentionally, high Karis, there's a the cut off of the soul. Whenever Ashish Yishchachet, he has to slaughter an ox, sheep, or goat, etc. Don't Yechashev Leishah who blood, it shall be reckoned for that man. Don't Shalvachet, says if he poured blood, the nichlas and a soul will be cut off. Being Shachat, and if he slaughtered, inadvertently maybe the Karis. He brings a fixed sin offering. there's a rule that says, the rule is that there's never a punishment. In the Torah says an admonition, warning. Where's the warning for this? So he says Behekesh. the warning is in a system of Torah study called a hekesh. A hekesh means association of words or verses. In one verse it says there you shall offer up your burnt offering, but it there you shall make everything that I command you, just as offering up outside where the punishment there is. He's are all the pages specifically it says what the punishment is. Be careful lest you offer up your burnt offerings. So also the doing, which is part of it, for the Torah punishes for it. Because the Torah, as a rule, doesn't prescribe punishment unless there is a warning. This would be associated warning would be considered the warning for bringing up the offering. So again there are two stages slaughtering and offering. A sheikh Sheikha Kadashi, what if somebody slaughters a holy object and sacrifice? Behal and Bakut, and then he offers it up as an offering outside the base? something there someplace. So he did two parts he slaughtered and he offered in his own man made altar. Chayakshayim, he is now culpable for two violations. Ahashita, because number one he slaughtered, and number two he offered what if he, the slaughtering was in the courtyard he offered it up on an altar outside the courtyard he's culpable for bringing it up as an offering so also if the opposite happened where the actual slaughtering was outside he offered it up within the courtyard. well the offering up is then okay but the shita is not okay the slaughter here comes a very interesting law when can one be culpable when can one be guilty for the inappropriate slaughter of holy sacrifices if that particular sacrifice was fit to be offered up on the altar at that particular time which means you could have brought it to the altar but you didn't but if you couldn't have brought it to the altar, then you're not culpable, you're not guilty for bringing it somewhere else. But if somebody slaughters outside the temple courtyard, one of the items which for some reason is prohibited to be brought upon the altar, and then he did it outside, well it's prohibited, he had no option to bring it inside. Or, as we did learn and will learn, there are certain sin offerings that become unfit and they have to be allowed to die, which means they're not fit to be brought. The fact that he brings one of these not fit to be brought offerings outside the temple courtyard, well that's not a violation, because it has to be capable of having it brought in a kosher way. As it says, name before the dwelling place of Hashem. any animal that for whatever reason is not capable, is not fit at this moment to be brought before the dwelling place of Hashem, any Allah, there's no culpability for it if it's done outside. So that's a very interesting law. You could be doing the deed, but being that the deed could not have been done properly, you're exempt. Along the same lines, Zayim Shachat Bachutz, what if he offered, he slaughtered an animal outside the temple courtyard area, but this animal did not have the right time go by? Which means there's a certain law that says how long the animal must live before it can be offered as an offering, for example or the one who brings it, the human being who offers the animal, he's lacking the full cycle of time that he requires to be obligated to bring this, and he's going to give examples. Whatever the story is, being that this sacrifice could not have been brought inside the base the now Potter, he's therefore exempt if he brings it outside the base the Now he spells out various scenarios, as we used to say in New Jersey, what's an example of something lacking maturity of time in its body? Very simple. The law says that no animal should be offered before its eighth day of life. An animal within the first seven days of his life is not fit to be offered on the altar. Or, the tain pigeons we say have to reach a certain level of maturity. Shall he give them on their time of maturity it was not reached. Or, there's another law that says that an animal and its offspring should not be slaughtered on the same day. What if you already slaughtered the mother animal? You are not allowed to slaughter the calf on that day. You say, yes, but the animal and its offspring, one of them was already slaughtered that day, the other one cannot be slaughtered until tomorrow. And what if he slaughtered it? This would not have been considered a kosher sacrifice on the altar. Therefore, it's not a real violation outside the courtyard. Test. what is an example of incomplete maturity of time for the donors? offering. <laughs> the time for the offering of its master, of its owner, of the donor-owner did not yet happen. for example, HaZov. If somebody has a case of Zov or Zovah, BaYeledes, Zov or Zovah are the abnormal flow, sexual flow of male or female, or a woman who gives birth. So the laws are that a certain amount of days have to go by after that person regains purification, and then they have to bring an offering. They didn't finish counting the prescribed days and they brought an offering outside the base of the Bigdash within the wrong time. Had they brought that offering in the base of the Bigdash, it would not have been kosher. But it was in the wrong time. So now they're exempt from this violation outside the base the Bigdash. Another scenario, a leper, biblical leprosy, where he offered his, he slaughtered his sin offering, his guilt offering, outside the Besan but it was, during the counting days, too early, prematurely, he's exempt because had he offered it in the base of the Bigdash, it would not have been a kosher offering. Because these donors are not yet fit for Atonement, so it's premature. Therefore, if it would be a kosher offering, it wouldn't work. Now that it's a non-kosher offering, there's no culpability. However, if they offered their burnt offerings outside the base of Midosh, during the counting times, they are culpable. Why? Because a burnt offering is not always obligatory. It's possible that a burnt offering could be dead, and it could be just a gift, and gifts are acceptable at any time. So therefore, the violation took place at any time. Whereas the sin offering and guilt offering are a mainstay of the atonement process, the burnt offering could be a free will offering. So also, a right. one who takes a vow, not to drink wine, and not to cut his hair And not to expose himself to death But there's also a prescribed Gift of sacrifices That have to be brought When it's full cycle His sin offering was slaughtered Outside the temple courtyard area Still during the days Of his being on Nozi, Which means prematurely Had he brought it in The Besanikash courtyard It would not have been good Because it was too early The fact that he did it outside Potter makes it exempt If he brings his burnt offering A shlom his peace offering outside, Because it is the sin offering That stops him from getting atonement to a and that's the main of the state of Zeus. Ten. Asham when a person has a conditional guilt offering, behata say for a sin offering of a bird, ha which come, Allah for a doubtful transmission, Shikiva Machutz, and these now were offered outside the temple courtyard. Because the prohibition has never been securely established. That's why it's conditional. Asham a guilt offering of a leper which was offered outside the temple courtyard area. Shaleish not for the sake of this offering, Kyab is culpable. However, because being that it was not offered for its purpose, Ray it could have been brought inside the caution. And its kosher, which as we'll explain, hal off, he doesn't any offering which would be exempt for bringing it outside the base of Kachipoter the same law would be sacrificing it and offering it. These are two stages as we learned earlier. Yulalef eleven, we have the famous two goats of sin offering of yom kippur, where one is slaughtered and its blood sprinkled in the base of hamikdash, and the other is escorted and pushed off the azazel cliff. Shnei the two goats of yom kippurim, sheshchatam which were slaughtered outside the courtyard area. Im if this was done before the confession ritual, where the kohen gadol would confess over the Azazel one, then being that they were at that point in time both fit. Theoretically, to be offered inside the base on Midrash as a sin offering, therefore, there is a cutting off of the soul punishment upon both of them. Halel Rulian Rulian love Bi'Lev Nefashah Because at that time they are still technically capable of being offered for Hashem. However, if he already did the confession process, so it's been designated as to what's what. The one that's being escorted to the Azazel. The fact if he slaughters that outside the base on the that could not have been slaughtered now inside the base on Midrash, because it was already designated for the Azazel. not fit to come before Hashem. You base twelve. Bachutz. If somebody slaughters a peace offering outside the temple courtyard area, The problem here is that this illegal slaughtering. Outside the courtyard area was done in the wrong time. The temple gates were not yet open. It says that the Kohanim and the Levites would unlock and open the temple gates early in the morning. Because no offering could be brought in the temple before the gates were open. So the fact that this one was brought outside the temple before the gates were open means he didn't technically do a full violation. Because he could not have brought it inside because the gates weren't open. The exception would be somebody slaughters a Paschal offering outside the temple gates, outside the courtyard, even if it's all year round. Because all year round the Paschal offering is just a peace offering. Whether for the sake of this offering or not, Chayim is guilty, is culpable. Because all year round the Paschal offering is a peace offering. What if a regular animal was carrying a fetus which was designated as a holy offering? Also, the now this animal may not be slaughtered outside. if he did, in lake, there's no lashes, love with because it can no longer be brought before Hashem. just to understand fourteen properly, we will learn in the laws of financial matters and stealing and so on that if somebody steals something, they have to return it. What if the person, the victim from whom it was taken, gave up hope of ever finding it? Then the thief acquires it as his, and he has a financial obligation of restitution. Which means that, <laughs> that the fact that the original owners give up hope of ever finding it, this causes the thief to acquire the object, and now he only has the obligation of restitution. So, what if somebody stole an animal? And then he consecrated it. He's a holy thief. And then, after he stole it and consecrated it, he slaughtered it outside the temple courtyard. culpable. Why? at one point in time does it become his in order to enable him to be guilty of culpable for from the moment he consecrates it who providing that only if he slaughtered it after the original owners gave up hope of ever finding it then it becomes his the fact that he has to give back money is beside the point but if all this came about before the original owners gave up hope of finding it which means they still have hope of finding it any minute then it never took upon itself sanctity because nobody can consecrate something that belongs to somebody else next scenario we say that the animal has to be slaughtered in the temple courtyard what if the entire animal was outside the courtyard but its neck Extended inside the courtyard, his throat is culpable. Who will slaughter an ox, or a sheep, or a goat in the camp, This applies to one who slaughters in the holy temple courtyard, and its throat, its neck is outside. And the rest is outside, or the body was inside, and the neck was outside. Is culpable until the whole animal is in the base of Midrash area. If he will not bring it to the gateway of the Tabernacle. However, if he slaughters the animal on the roof of the holy temple. We learned earlier that the roof is not an appropriate place for slaughtering. Even though it's not fit for slaughtering, but he's also exempt from slaughtering outside the courtyard area because it's in the courtyard. Tezayin 16, Shnayim Here's an interesting law. What if two people together held the slaughter knife, the Shochatu, and they actually slaughtered Bakhuts outside the besan English? The fact that two people did it. What's the deal? Turim, the rule in general is Shnaim Shah Sub Turim. And if two people commit a violation, they're technically exempt. This is something that one person can do. If one person can do something, two people do it. It's exempt. one not be considered blood he's only intending to pour blood, he's not intending to bring holy sacrifices like a carbon, like an offering. Nevertheless, he is culpable. We know and we learned extensively earlier that offerings in the holy temple may only be offered during the daytime. The Beis Hamikdash was opened in the morning and closed for business after the talmid. After the talmid, they just put things on the altar, but they never slaughtered. So, slaughter is not done in the Beis Hamikdash at night. But outside the Beis can a person come to the Shochet and say, "Listen, I'm having a barbecue. Can you please slaughter a cow for me?" And it's midnight. As long as there's enough light to see, responsibly the Shochet can slaughter all night. So, hashoichet b'chutz. What if somebody offers a sacrifice outside the Beis Hamikdash, at night? Chayav is culpable, he's yoti. Being that in general you're allowed to slaughter outside the Beis at night, even though offerings in the Beis Hamikdash only be slaughtered by day. So also, if he offered as an offering at night from that which was slaughtered at night, he's culpable. But if he slaughtered inside at night, and then he offered it outside, part exempt. Because the whole idea of slaughtering something inside at night makes it unfit. There's no case of kosher slaughtering in the vessel at night. Another example would be we, we put a lot of emphasis on the vessel; it has to be an official ministering vessel. If he used a mundane or profane vessel. Inside the base of the to receive the blood, vezolak b'chutz, and then he sprinkled it outside. Potter, he's exempt. So also if he does the malika, which is what they used to do in the base of the pinching of the neck with the nail of the coin. they did this outside. We learned earlier that malika outside the base of the is straight. Potter is exempt because there is no malika outside the base of the lish. But if he opposite, Potter is exempt. Malak like him. But if he did the malika inside the courtyard area, vehel b'chutz, and then he opened it up outside, Higher Now he's culpable la la He's liable for bringing it up if he slaughters it within the courtyard and he brings it up as an offering outside exempt. because what did he bring up? Something that is not fit to offer. Why? Because a bird may never be slaughtered. It can only be pinched by the nape of the neck called Malika. What if he slaughtered the bird in the traditional manner outside the courtyard? And he brought it up outside. Here he's culpable because he killed the bird in the manner that shechita is acceptable outside. Because of a bird is acceptable outside. The rule of thumb is that slaughtering outside is like pinching the nape of the neck inside end of chapter 18.